0: Welcome to Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents. Making money moves with the finest of gents. Come and pull up a seat because we're proud to present how to make some good decisions when you're on the fence. Rob and Steve going to tell you how to do it the best. Hello, welcome to another episode of Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents. I'm Steven Ellis.
1: And I'm Robert Wolfson. And of course, by now you should know, we are the gents.
0: Yeah, that hasn't changed so far. Not yet. No, No one, no one stripped us of that title. Is it a title? I don't know.
1: Anyway, Self-proclaimed.
0: Yeah, exactly. No one's taken that away from us.
1: So we're just a few days away from
0: Halloween, Rob. Your kids are a little bit older than mine. uh, I guess they're not planning on doing any trick-or-treating.
1: No, they're out of the trick-or-treating phase for sure, but uh, they like to handle candy as well. It's fun to see the kids coming up to the door, uh, complimenting the costumes, but it's definitely going to look a bit different this year.
0: Well, yeah, we're actually going to do Halloween at home this year, so I've bought a bunch of candy a pinata, some decorations, some
1: games to play. So it'll be a bit different, but hopefully it's just as fun for the kids. Well, it makes it memorable. They'll Remember the year when we had to do this for Halloween? They'll In the future, they'll look back and remember 2020 Halloween, and it just shows you have to adapt like everything else. Yeah, that's
0: true. As I'm sure everyone agrees, 2020 has been a, a memorable year in general. So Halloween, why should Halloween be any different? That's right. So following up on our last episode, Rob, uh, getting close to the election now.
1: Yeah, only what about a week away now. Um, Great podcast last time with Greg Valliere. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, please do. Still timely, a few days away from the election. Lots going on. It's uh, great TV, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, there may be a few updates in there if we were to do it again today. But like you say, I think a lot of the information is still valid.
1: One thing that uh, Greg noted in his podcast, Steve, was a website, RealClearPolitics.com. And I've actually been following it ever since we did record that episode. Every day I go on and take a quick look. It's neat because it's an aggregate of all the polls. As much as you can't always trust the polls, it does give you a bit of a a picture, obviously, what Americans are thinking, how they're going to vote. And Biden did have about a 10-point lead when you aggregate all the polls. And that has... Uh, receded. And that's currently about seven, seven and a half points. So you can tell that as we're getting closer, the canons are out there, you know, hitting their various uh, rallies and town halls, whatnot, and campaigning. You can definitely tell the voters or the pollsters, at least, are trying to. Um, the numbers are, are narrowing for sure. I mean, what do you say, you Can't trust CNN or Fox? <laughs> exactly. Can't trust the polls. Exactly. <laughs> but it is neat because this is an aggregate. It's not just one poll. And not only does it show the. Um, uh, just the aggregate, but it also shows all of the background stage. It shows kind of how the Electoral College is sitting today. If the, Again, it's all if it were to happen today. You never know until uh, voters, voters actually need to go and, and check the box. But you have seen a record number of voter turnout, even in the, in the pre-voting, I believe it's what, 70 million people have already cast a vote still a week to go. So those, that's incredible numbers. And that's all you want when you have a democracy, people have fought and risked their lives for us the chance to go and vote, you know, have your voice heard. So it's great to see people actually going out and doing that. True.
0: So enough about politics, uh, let's move into the topic for our presentation today, which is understanding ESG an acronym we use those a lot in our business
1: yeah lots of acronyms in our business and of course in this case esg stands for environmental social and governance that's right yeah we probably
0: use acronyms too often don't we and find ourselves sometimes throwing an acronym out there assuming everyone knows what we're talking about uh and then you know we'll get through halfway through a presentation and someone will say uh what does that mean
1: yeah that's right
0: so yeah. we, we make sure we make sure that if we're using the acronym we uh, we explain what it is. So we'll use ESG now going forward. Uh, now that you know what it stands for.
1: No, it's a relatively new acronym, but it's not a new concept. Yeah, that's
0: right. I mean, the first time I heard of what is now sort of referred to as ESG uh,
1: was. Probably in the early 2000s, and it was referred to as ethical investing. And sometimes SRI, which is socially responsible investing. Yes, another acronym. Another acronym.
0: I mentioned that it goes back, well, I heard it back in the early 2000s. Anyway, it may go back well before that. But it it wasn't really much more than a trend back then. And I think now it seems to have moved beyond a trend. We're getting a lot more questions about it. Seems to be more widely recognized, so a good time to have a conversation and deliver some information on, on this podcast.
1: Yeah, and it makes sense if you just think of the way we live our lives, what you read in social media, what you watch on TV. Just the world in general is more focused on uh, what we are, what we will explain that fall under these various categories: the E, the S, and the G. Uh, that's the way we live lives, and that's the way the world is going. So it makes sense that it's more widely accepted and utilized today. It's important to
0: point out as well that ESG, as we mentioned, stands for environmental, social, and governance. It's often used sort of interchangeably too to describe companies uh, and how they operate, uh, as as well as being a way to evaluate and ultimately rate companies. So when you talk about ESG... Oftentimes, people will be referring to the rating of companies and how they rate from an ESG perspective, as opposed to just slotting them into that category.
1: Right. And many fund managers and money managers today, they want to make sure that they're looking at those ratings because they want to make sure they can go to their unit holders or their investors and for them to know that it it, it is a consideration when they construct their portfolios, that they are supporting these companies that are making an effort to improve their business lines, how it relates to their environmental considerations, their social and governance considerations. So it's a huge factor for sure. And more and more fund managers are paying attention to that. And more and more investors are paying attention to that. So just
0: to point out something as well, Rob, is for a lot of people, ESG brings to mind environmental issues like climate change and resource scarcity. Uh, Those form part of the ESG mandate and an important one. But the term means a lot more. It covers social issues like companies' labor practices, talent management, product safety, data security. Uh, It covers governance matters like board diversity, executive pay, and business ethics. Uh, We'll cover off a few more. But again, I think a lot of people really sort of think about that environmental piece and don't consider the other factors.
1: Yeah, let's rewind to what was topical a year ago in the news was the Me Too movement. And that that, that falls into this category as well. And of course, uh, in 2020, Steve, is Black Lives Matter, all of the racial injustices and making sure that there's equality, just that diversity, equity, inclusion piece, not only from a gender standpoint, but from a race standpoint as well. Absolutely. So let's talk about how the
0: evaluation process works and how the result of that evaluation is quantified and ultimately utilized. First of all, evaluation can be done by anyone, a company, fund, or pension manager, or an individual. However, there are standards and essentially what could be considered rating agency equivalents that have developed standardized systems for rating companies from an ESG perspective. Now, with demand for growing exponentially, ESG data, also termed non-financial data, has actually become big business. Some of the leading ESG research companies now actually compete to supply it. Some of those companies include you know, big names, names you would know, Bloomberg, MSCI, uh, Thomson Reuters, a couple that maybe you haven't before, like Refinitiv and Sustainalytics, uh, as well as the uh, big three credit rating agencies, uh, Fitch Ratings, Moody's, and s and
1: each dimension of ESG is typically evaluated independently and then aggregated to assign a company an overall score. Now, one of the earliest ways to evaluate companies from an ESG perspective was exclusionary investing or negative screening. This is still used today, but is often combined with the positive screening to create a two-pronged approach to analysis. A negative screening approach essentially means that a fund or an ETF and potentially a pension fund. A manager will exclude specific sectors, industries, or companies based on their criteria. So, industries and sectors are usually excluded, and these types of funds include fossil fuels, tobacco, firearms, gambling, adult entertainment, potentially, even liquor. And of course, this is all based off of not only the analytics, but sometimes your own personal beliefs as well. But of course, Steve, one of the major concerns with this approach was the potential to sacrifice returns or performance. So to address many of these concerns, a new approach was introduced. And this approach does not entail completely excluding entire sectors such as oil. After all, there was the belief we cannot just rid ourselves of fossil fuels overnight. Also, companies in the energy sectors do spend a tremendous amount of time, uh, research and development capital on things like renewable energy. They see the need to be cleaner and are rewarded for this. So, even companies like fossil fuel or energy companies are also working to improve their ESG scores.
0: Yeah, Rob, and that was always the criticism. You know, I talked about early 2000s and ethical investments. That was always one of the the criticisms with those investments was they didn't make any money because you were excluding things like oil companies, which, of course, as we know, in the early 2000s were very profitable and um, had, you know, overall good long term returns for investors.
1: But it kind of goes along with what we were just talking about as the world becomes more uh, what's the right word? Knowledgeable on ESG and practices, and wanting to do better in the world. That's more publicized. Even these companies know they need to go to their shareholders, um, all of the people that want to invest in them, to know that they are working at, you know, working at renewable energy, cleaner energy, reducing emissions. You know, proper standards on their boards, et cetera. We're going to get into these examples uh, in a few minutes here, but uh, investors, companies know they need to work on these factors. That's Right. So just to wrap up this point, see, we talked about the negative screening, but on the positive screening side, this focuses on finding companies that are actively pursuing a progressive ESG agenda, those that are focusing on, like we just mentioned, renewable energy, potentially water treatment, and things like cures for deadly diseases. Yeah, Robin, I was reading recently
0: actually that companies that are rated highly from an ESG perspective had outperformed the market recently. And when you think about it, If you're including cures for deadly diseases in that positive screening process, then that might explain it because there's obviously a lot of companies out there that are working on curing uh, deadly virus in this case.
1: So, Steve, we need to actually break down the different factors, the E, the S, and the G. But before we do that, who does it actually matter to? Like who's actually evaluating these factors? So we do need to look at it through the eyes of the stakeholders that is, those that are ultimately impacted by the operations of the businesses that are being analyzed through these eyes. Yeah, so let's start with who the stakeholders are.
0: Uh, I mean, first of all, uh, the shareholders, customers, employees, and the community as a whole. Let's start looking at the environmental aspect, and let's call it environmental performance in this case. So, how is that looked at, and, and uh, what kind of questions are asked to determine how a company performs?
1: Yeah, and there's obviously some of the uh, factors that investors look at when judging environmental performance are things like uh, their contribution to climate change, uh, greenhouse gas emissions, things like uh, resource depletion, including water, there's waste pollution, there's deforestation. But you need to ask some hard questions. So things like, does the company have a meaningful environmental goal policy in place? How does the company's environmental performance compare to its industry counterparts? Does the company provide regular information on environmental performance such as emissions data? You have to be transparent about that type of stuff. Does the company have a formal environmental management system and is it audited by third party auditors? It's all well and good if they think they have a good system but you know they, they need to be willing to open that up to other people to evaluate as well and make judgment on. And is the company contributing to the degradation of the environment? All tough questions that you need to ask.
0: Yeah, Robin, that's the one, as I mentioned, most people think of. Uh, let's, let's move on, though, to social responsibility. And uh, perhaps you can make some points
1: there. So really, Steve, when we're thinking about social uh, considerations and factors, there's really four different classifications or categories, if you will, that would fall under, uh, fall under social. One is employee relations, community relations, human rights, and of course, diversity and people may
0: classify them differently. That's just the way we're looking at it again, just to keep it simple.
1: So obviously all very broad, but a couple examples under each category, Steve. So for employee relations, does the company have a history of good or employee relations? Pretty simple. Does the company contribute to employee health and retirement plans? Are there programs that contribute to the well being, education, and training? And do employees have an opportunity to own company shares or stock options, make them an owner of the company? Under community relations, does the company donate a percentage of its profits to charity? Are employees encouraged to volunteer with nonprofit organizations? Are they compensated or are hours volunteered matched with corporate donations? Does the company support education initiatives in the the community or workplace? Has the company been involved in disputes with the community? And does the company engage in regular consultation with the local community? And of course, from a human rights perspective, has the board approved a human rights policy? Are human rights included in the code of ethics and conduct? Do the company's operations affect indigenous people or their livelihood? How does the company Mitigate the impact, and our consultation process is meaningful. Does the company have a system in place to monitor working conditions at supplier facilities, and is that system audited? That comes up a lot for sure, especially with companies that have you know multinational operations. Does the company operate in countries with poor human rights records, and does the company have policies to ensure employees and local communities are protected from human rights abuses? And lastly, has the company been party to human rights abuses all important things that all of those stakeholders you mentioned would want to know and of course lastly steve is diversity does the company have a commitment to increase gender and ethnic diversity and how diverse is the senior management
0: again we could probably have an entire episode just on that topic and i know we're simplifying it a little bit but ultimately, again, it's really just about how much
1: of a focus is there to move in that, that direction, which, uh, again, is very important. And of course, Steve, lastly, under the G, which is governance, of course, diversity fits into this one as well. Naturally, how diverse is your board? How many women or visible minorities uh, hold board seats uh, from a corporate governance standpoint as well? Is there a majority of independent directors? Are the roles of the CEO and the chair separate uh, does the company have a code of conduct and business ethics? Does it apply to all employees and the board? Is management's compensation similar to its competitors? Um, are incentive packages designed to increase long-term shareholder value? How do they handle executive pay? Things like bribery and corruption, lobbyists, political lobbying and donations, their tax strategy. So those are all many things which need to go under the, the governance heading.
0: So based on all of that, I think it's pretty obvious, but I'll, I'll point it out anyway. If you're looking at investing in ESG, it doesn't have to just be solar companies or electric vehicle companies. It's sort of the first things that come to mind. You can find a lot of highly rated companies in many different sectors and companies that you may not think of as being highly rated from an ESG perspective.
1: Yeah, we have a, our own rating system as well, Steve, our portfolio advisor group uh, here at Scotia Wealth Management. We do our own screening, just like we referenced earlier in the podcast. And, and they've come up with a few companies that do rate highly uh, from an ESG score perspective. So they take into uh, account all of the factors uh, that we mentioned. So companies like Bell Canada, Microsoft, Walt Disney, Sun Life, Sony's on the, on the list, Visa uh, is on the list. So, yeah, there's lots of great options and in many different sectors as well. yeah and names
0: you again you wouldn't necessarily jump to thinking about when you're thinking about esg so worth noting we're not necessarily recommending you go out and buy all those names right now if it is something you're interested in looking at by all means reach out to us and and uh we'd be happy to make uh, recommendations to you on an individual basis so just to sum up Obviously, there's uh, perhaps more to it than than you first thought. We've just kind of gone through the basics and hopefully have given you a, a pretty decent understanding of what ESG is and how it works.
1: And it's definitely more thorough than maybe what you thought of when you started listening to this podcast. Yeah, and again,
0: it may be something you hear out there now on the news or read in the newspaper and you'll have a better understanding of what it is as opposed to just sort of seeing it as
1: you know, an industry term or or a passing trend. And there's many different ways to invest in ESG, Steve. Maybe we should talk about this quickly. You can buy individual stocks. There's ETFs that track and build an uh, an ESG portfolio. There's funds out there and the managers solely have an ESG mandate. Uh, So there's many different ways to get exposure to this theme if it's something that uh, appeals to you as well. Yeah, and the options for investing are just keep going up. Yeah, as it becomes more popular, there's more... uh, availability to build that type of portfolio yeah. yeah options are becoming more abundant
0: so with that let's wrap up for the day uh, thanks again for joining us as always we appreciate it uh, i mentioned if you have any questions uh, as it pertains to your own individual situation please do reach out to us we encourage it uh, check
1: out our website AliceFinancialGroup.ca. And of course, we have the link to all of the past episodes on our website as well. So just click the podcast tab and you'll be able to find them there.
0: Absolutely. So
1: as always, and once again,
0: my name is Stephen Ellis. And I am Robert Wolfson. And we are A Couple of Gents. We'll talk to you again soon.